better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino kyle krabs and chris schubert from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this tuesday episode of the show kyle it's finally time that we've looked at players not in our regions and we can have some good scouting discussion here on this podcast what's up my dude so i don't want to call it just yet but we could almost call it for having a confirmed number one player on the table <laughs> man officially like mathematically almost well well, share our, our process so that it would make sense, but there would have to be some really aggressive swings from our team. Correct. For this to not be our number one player in the class. So Correct. Kyle, you've done a really good job of engineering this process for the team. Why don't you tell the listeners what we're doing and um, what they can expect from the scouting reports moving forward, and then you know a lot of our discussion will be influenced by this. So – all four full-time members of the staff, Joe, myself, Jordan Reed, and Dre Harris, are responsible for regions within the country to specialize in season in those regions and know those players inside out. Uh, and do we did eight weeks of watching players within our respective regions, writing scouting reports on them, traits by trait, their TDM premium product, uh, but you can still read like the general summary of them in the TDN uh, database, even if you are not a premium subscriber. You just can't read the full scouting report. And each regional scout has assigned players grades based on what they watched. And now what we're collectively as a group going to do is we stacked the board based on the regional grades. And now everybody on staff, including all four full-time members, uh, we have some NFL PA uh, externships, uh, two players that uh, we'll, we'll introduce here as this process continues uh, who are taking part in this scouting process with us and they're watching and giving their feedback. They're not grading the guys because uh, they're, they're just kind of now learning and feeling out what our process looks like. Uh, but also Brentley Weissman, who's part-time guy, if he has the chance to evaluate these players, he could sit on, on these meetings and provide a grade. And Brentley's obviously got a lot of valuable experience having worked in the league for several years uh, and we're going to each grade the players, and each grade is weighed evenly. So each analyst has an equal amount of weight into the final grade. Uh, but we are using the regional grades to dictate the order in which we watch the players. And one of the players that was watched today was quarterback Trevor Lawrence of the Clemson Tigers. He got a top 10 value from everybody on staff. Uh, he's the only player who's going to be able to lay claim to that uh, because I'm looking at the rest of the grades yeah. and the other guys who got top 10 grades, they, you know, we, they've been cross-checked already. And those guys did not get uh, top 10 grades universally. So Trevor Lawrence will be the only player who universally got top 10 grades across the board from all four full-time members of the staff. And we had a really healthy conversation about him today. Two quick follow-up things to say before we dig into this Trevor Lawrence stuff. First, this process has been really interesting, a big shift from what we've done before, like dating back before the draft network. But I remember, I remember I was talking with an NFL scout and we were talking about the 2018 quarterbacks class. And I was giving my thoughts on Josh Rosen. And he said to me, yeah, I didn't do Josh Rosen. 
And I was like, what? Like you're an NFL scout. You didn't do Josh Rosen. And he's like, yeah, he's not in my region. And he wasn't on my cross check list, which reminds me of Dre Harris, Dre, Dre, who's, you know, a seven year NFL scout. He's really complimented our process in that it really does marry what an NFL team does with their scouts in terms of breaking up into regions and doing cross checks and all that type of stuff. So it was really hard for me to be so laser focused on my, you know, I have like two and a half conferences that I'm, I'm responsible for. Um, but I, I realized that as part of playing my part within this team, I wasn't going to get a chance to watch everybody until this point in the year. So I've really enjoyed really digging in deep on, on the schools that I was responsible for, but now I'm ready to see, you know, some different players, which has been really, really fun. And then I know that we'll talk more about our NFLP ex, NFLPA externship, but uh, just a little sneak peek. Tomorrow we're doing Penny Sewell and Christian Darisaw. And one of our NFLPA players that's with us is a nine-year NFL veteran, offensive lineman. So I'll tell you what, feeling some type of way presenting Christian Darisaw to the group tomorrow, knowing that uh, <laughs> I, I've got this guy in the groom. So, uh, you know, look, it, it's, I, it's, you say iron sharpens iron. I, you know, it's really been a great process to this point because I know not only do I have that staring at me in the face, but I have my teammates, you, Dre, Jordan, uh, that I need to be accountable for in, in this process. And so I think it's really led to some good discussion. And I'm really excited about the way things are going to unfold here in the coming weeks. A little healthy debate already. Yeah. You and I getting into it. We did. You and, yeah, yeah right. I thought it was going to be me and Dre. No, no, it's me and you. I felt I, some kind of way about a player to be named at a later time. <laughs> I gave you the old, did you notice at the end of your thing? And you're like, hey, you want to change your grade? And I'm like, no. No. Yeah, he held firm. <laughs> so Trevor so Trevor Lawrence today. Uh, go ahead, Joe. This is this is your region. This is your quarterback. Is, so yeah. why don't you go ahead and, a lot of and pressure. Uh, set the table here. No worse than what you've already gone through going in the, media, the scouting right. meeting today. So right. it should be cake. All right, I had a good warm up earlier today, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, where do you start? I mean, he's a top of the first round type quarterback in my view. Um, you love the size; he's a little lean, slender build in my mind. Six six, two hundred thirteen pounds is what he weighed in at his pro day. Ten inch hands. You know, he, he's kind of got that narrow build, and you kind of see that right when he had that kind of that loose dry fit shirt on at the pro day. Kind of. I don't know, gained like an awareness for just kind of how slender his build is. And maybe there's some room for him to to add a little bit to it. Uh, but obviously he's got great height and um, he's really physically gifted in terms of what he can do with his arm and what he can do with his legs. I think he's a good athlete. Uh, I think maybe underrated when you think dual threat guys, but Trevor Lawrence is a guy that's got some wheels, man. He can extend plays with his legs. He can scramble. He can you know, find success on design runs. Um, so you're definitely a guy that I think can, the full playbook is always available to you at all times because of you know his arm talent and his his mobility. Um, really in control of that offense. We'll we'll get more into it here in just a moment about uh, maybe some of the concerns we have about that that style of offense that he was asked to play. But one thing we can say about Trevor Lawrence is that he mastered it. He was in command. He was decisive. He made quick decisions. Felt like he was always aware of where his outlets were. You know, if he was things were breaking down. I'm not saying he's elite under pressure, but you knew, I, I got a good sense that he knew where his answers were at all times. Um, I think he's generally very accurate. I don't think he's a pinpoint Joe Burrow type when it comes to accuracy. I think he has the arm to make every throw. If you're expecting Mahomes or Allen or Stafford in terms of arm strength, I don't think you're going to, you're going to find that in Trevor Lawrence, but 
Uh, I think he's got plenty of arm strength and obviously the pedigree, man, like three uh, state championships in high school, three years as a starter at Clemson, three years in the college football playoffs, twice in the natty, has a national championship win under his belt. And, um, you know, he came to Clemson with a lot of expectations, man, and I think he met him. So for me, top of the first round talent in just about any draft. Great. So let's shut the podcast down there. It's awesome. It's there you go. There's Trevor Lawrence in a nutshell. So. Well, we, the, I think the, the, we have some good stuff to get into like, okay, all right, great prospect, all that, but there is some things to talk about that. Hey, as we acclimate him to the NFL, these are some of the things and challenges that he's going to have to overcome. And I guess you can come in and share those things. Yeah. And I want to be extremely clear. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the highest graded player I give this year, but I do think it is more interesting with Trevor because of how much of the cliche and narrative of how finished of a product he is and how good he is uh, to talk about some of the areas that, you know, are are perhaps points of emphasis and room to improve and uh, not this infallible prospect who's going to thrive and and, uh, rewrite the record books no matter what. And uh, so when you look at the Clemson offense, uh, Joe, I came away from the study of Trevor and I watched five games uh, from 2020. And of course I've been keeping notes on him for a couple years now that, uh, I really like the idea of him going to an offense that, uh, has urban Meyer's fingerprints on it. When you think about the style of offense that urban Meyer influ- implemented the university of Florida, Ohio state, that those spacing concepts, the willingness to use the quarterback at times as an athlete. Uh, Clemson did a lot more of that than I anticipated in 2020. Uh, there were a lot of screens, a lot of RPOs. They did now they did RPOs on multiple levels. Uh, this was not just a level uh, read read the Sam linebacker and you know throw slant flat off of it or something like that. You know they they pushed RPOs down the field. Uh, saw a lot of this uh, kind of skinny post or, or glance slant up the middle of the field against middle of field open coverage. And uh, I came away saying, wow, it's, you know, it's, it's, it was really, really easy for Trevor in so many instances because you have all of those avenues baked into a lot of your plays and putting him under the microscope. It's, it's like, this is not, this is different than Andrew Luck coming out of Stanford with the Jim Harbaugh offense as an under center stereo. No, this is this is like totally different style of play. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Yeah, the football season might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. And BetOnline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I think within that, I mean, naturally, the 
concern of, okay, how is he going to fare as a progression style passer? That's, that's really what this comes in into play for me. And I, and two things come to mind, you know, you mentioned that there's a lot of baked in RPOs at multiple levels within this offense. Well, even in a lot of his shots down the field, it's a predetermined, you know, you're going to get single coverage somewhere and you, you, you just throw it. And obviously when he had T Higgins and Justin Ross healthy, that there was a lot of success there and, Starting to happen a little bit with Cornell Powell late in the year uh, and obviously some of their younger weapons. But, you know, he wasn't really asked to read it and rip it a whole lot in that offense. And so, look, there's a chance that that's something that's going to take some time for him to develop. And then all that, you, you, you know that, you acknowledge that, and then you introduce the idea that, yeah, there was times where I don't know that he necessarily fared well with a lot of coverage rotation and disguised intentions uh, in terms of, seeing coverage pre-snap, understanding what happened, and then understanding how that should affect his process and where to go to the football. I think there were times where he was so dialed into that that he would miss a squatting defender, you know, because of the predetermined idea or concept with the football. And so uh, something to be mindful of, right? And And I do like that you brought up the idea that he's going to an Urban Meyer offense, we presume, which kind of keeps him on track, but I think in order for him to become an elite player, he'll have to get better. Yeah. He'll have to grow in this, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I thought, you know, and I mentioned this on the scouting staff meeting, that was a knock on Deshaun Watson too, coming out of Clemson was awareness of underneath defenders. and, And some of that's just kind of the infrastructure of what they do, I suppose. And, and, you know, it's, I think back to the Notre Dame game and they went from split safety look and they rolled the safety down and ended up in cover three. And uh, he tried to split hook curl defender uh, right between the eyes with the football on a rope. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's the good side of that coin is that every time Trevor dropped back to pass and the ball came out on time. It was confident. There, I, you never saw kind of that second guess of where am I supposed to go with the ball. Now there were times in which he ate the football, yeah, uh, or he tried to hold the ball too long and let Rush collapse in around him. Uh, but as far as like he never had that. Sorry, Chris. You can bleep it if you want, but that oh throw where it's like the ball's halfway out of his hand and he's like. I, I want to pull the string on it and bring it back. You know, like I never saw that throw from him. It was just this, this constant. And you mentioned the mastery of the offense at hand here and, and what is on his plate from a responsibility standpoint. He always knew where to go, or he always knew where he was supposed to go. And whether that's pre-snap and identifying, you know, single high press, I like my one-on-one matchup. I'm going to alert and we're going to go down the field and take a shot. And I'm going to throw the back shoulder throw or understanding leverage, uh, for the RPOs and the box counts, and and no matter how you try to attack, especially in the run game where, where they had so many routes tagged onto it, it's like he was always just taking soft space, just always taking what the defense gave him, and that's an admirable trait. Uh, I, I think there's a narrative uh, or a discussion to be had about Trevor and and some of the top competition that he played and and what you consistently got out of him against some of these better teams, Notre Dame in the ACC championship game this year. Uh, you think of the last two college football playoff appearances that he had uh, were not his best performances, 
But I think what came out the most for me there was how often he was under duress. And you can at least appreciate knowing what the product is going to look like when he's heated up and know that it's not a train wreck. It's not bad. Uh, His process does fall off a little bit. You would expect that with any quarterback. Uh, We mentioned from a mechanic standpoint on the staff meeting, Joe, that uh, he's not the most precise accuracy passer. And I think some of that stems down to uh, because there are so many RPOs when he hurries his process and he's six five, correct? Six six. Six six. So you're yep. six six. You got long limbs. Yep. And you're trying to come out of the mesh point and reset your feet and realign yourself. And when you have to do that fast, that's hard. And and that I think is is the root cause of some of the general accuracy that you saw when it's like when he's staring down the barrel and teams keep blowing up his running backs in pass pro or they're, they're sending more than he can bring, and he's got to rise up out of that mesh point and throw that slant or that bubble really, really quickly, that's hard to get your feet right and your mechanics right. And he's got a good enough arm to make it work, but it's not like, wow, that's a masterful area of his game. So... um I think more sturdy offensive line play would of course benefit him like it would any quarterback. But I think that the talent level of the Clemson offensive line can be used to explain some of the accuracy issues because when everything mechanically is right, it's as pretty as it's going to get. I feel the need to compliment one other area of Trevor Lawrence that I I think, man, this is something I appreciate a lot about Joe Burrow. and, And I think it applies to Trevor Lawrence, man. This is a tough dude. Now, he does take hits. He does take off with the football and probably to his detriment <laughs> goes head first into a lot of contact and is willing to lower his shoulder into guys. And, you know, he's not quick to go out of bounds or slide. And, you know, he's a guy that's willing to put it on the line for his teammates. And I think there is an element of trying to do too much at times for Trevor Lawrence. And I think that showed up in some of those bigger games. Um, but, man, I, I guess I guess you kind of rather have that than a guy that turtles in those moments. But, I think his toughness is something that I felt the need that I wanted to compliment here as we continue this discussion. How about, was it the Notre Dame? Yeah. It was the Notre Dame game. He dropped the, the shoulder <laughs> right. on, I think it was a linebacker. I don't even think it was, it was 20 something, but they, they ran zone read and he pulled it. But like, do they even, they were doing like power counter mm-hmm. and lead counter with the quarterback with Numbers, Trevor man. Numbers. Yeah. And and that was what, when I alluded to the, they used him more in the, in the run game. I'm watching some of these play concepts and it's like, yeah, you know, they that he hit the, the QB draw against Ohio state in the semifinal game yep. last year for the yep. 70 something yard run right before half. Like you knew that play happened. And you know they have RPOs and they have some zone read that's baked into that. But I'm watching him fake toss, lead counter, come up in between the tackles and run the football. I'm watching him lower the shoulder on edge or defenders on the perimeter. I'm watching him get blown up by Baron Browning's blown him up each, each of the last two years. Baron Browning hit him, they completely tagged him. 
Like a lesser quarterback would have knocked him out. And um, I agree with you that the toughness that he has, uh, maybe not, like you said, the Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes level arm strength, maybe not the Kyler Murray type accuracy, but you, you take into account he's a plus athlete. He's got a plus arm, not a plus plus arm or not you know, a top shelf arm, but plus arm at his disposal a complete mastery of his offense and you're projecting him into an all we talk about fit and how important that is. And you're projecting him into an offense that's going to have those layers of, and components of what he did really well are going to be there for him. And I don't know how you don't get really excited about what he can be. And as he is more and more experienced at the pro level and he gets more and more proficient at the drop back passing levels of his game, I think there's some some undeniable ceiling here to be the kind of quarterback that we the narratives kind of push him as, even if we have some questions about his game at this point in time. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. So, Chris, I think a fun layer that you can maybe add to this discussion as you've listened to us talk about Trevor Lawrence for, I guess, I don't know, 15, 18 minutes, something like that, and maybe, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a Jaguars fan or uh, a a rival fan in the AFC South. That's wondering what this player is going to be coming into the division, or you're just curious about Trevor Lawrence and his fit in the NFL. Like how did this make you feel? What questions do you have? What would you like us to maybe expand on? Well, I'll start here because this is something that while you guys were explaining it, it kind of dawned on me. We all knew going into the year that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the first quarterback off the board, right? We all kind of knew he was going to be QB1. And when I say this, hopefully I don't say this in a wrong context, but there can be groupthink in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying that somebody should put Trevor Lawrence as QB2, but there can be this sort of herd mentality of Trevor Lawrence is QB1, Trevor Lawrence is QB1, Trevor Lawrence is QB1, without actually explaining it, without without actually telling people why he's QB1 and why is it so solidified, no doubt he's the guy. So my big takeaway was, Maybe I just haven't been seeking it out, but this was the first time I've really had it explained to me on a scouting level why Trevor Lawrence is QB1 because it's all this digestible chunks that the Mel Kuyper Juniors and the Todd McShays give out when they're on whatever ESPN show they're on that day, right? So there is a difference when you dig a a layer deeper. Listen, I I wanted Trevor Lawrence from the moment the season started and the season went south for the Jets, so it's something that I've been paying very close attention to. But to hear it broken down in the layers that you guys did – I think it just it's an added element to understanding this process and how teams make this decision. That's good feedback. And um, I, I hope that people listen to that conversation and, and got both sides of, yeah, we think he's an elite quarterback prospect. And like, 
top of the first round and Jaguars fans should be through the roof excited, but we're also, you know, we're not trying to like poke holes or nitpick, but just being honest about some of the things that we have been able to uncover by studying him in depth and say, Hey, these are things that we need to be mindful of as he takes the reins of an NFL offense. And so maybe it'd be fun to kind of laser in a little bit more on this fit with Jacksonville, right? Like, what do we like about what they have right now? I know there's going to be a lot that changes, right? As time goes on, there's going to be free agency decisions and they have quite a bit of cap space at their disposal and interesting dynamics with the new regime there. I mean, not a lot of teams have the cap space Jacksonville does. So what, what do we like about what they have in place and what do we need to see added for him to really kind of have that right environment for year one? And I don't think it bodes well for James Robinson. Probably not. When you think about his style of play, he's literally like a discount from a draft value and, and financials perspective, a discount version of Leonard Fournette, right? And you're talking about coming into an offense that relies upon spacing and relies upon zone read and running out of the gun because Trevor, you know, he, he was barely under, did he, did you watch a snap of him under center? No, I don't think, I, I don't think there is any. <laughs> right. So it's like, and James Robinson's one of these old school power runners between the tackles. Who's going to be best set eight yards behind the line of scrimmage in you no know, single alignment behind the quarterback. And maybe you can do some pistol, but even still, well, he's not able to get as much momentum getting into the, the line of scrimmage when he's running out of the gun and his first step is almost always going to be lateral. Like that, That's just not really going to be a fit if this offense is going to translate the way we anticipate based on what Urban Meyer's tendencies as a style of play have been in, in college. And of course, it's never going to be a one-to-one, right? Like you're, you're not just going to copy your Ohio State playbook and bring it with you to Jacksonville. I think it'd be naive to think that too. But the first thing I think, is this a team that's in play for Travis Etienne? I'm suddenly thinking that it could be. How about LaVisca Chenault in this pairing? You know, uh, kind of a do-everything guy in, in Chenault that you feel like brings a lot of versatility to the table. I think that could be a fun marriage, you know, with some of the stuff that you saw them do with Amari Rogers mm-hmm. at Clemson. And they kind of implement some of that and give LaVisca some opportunities to work after the catch. How about uh, Chark as the downfield? Yeah, beautiful. Downfield guy, contested catch, back shoulder ball. Beautiful. And Trevor's shown the willingness to throw those. And that, that was kind of like there were some of these alerts that he didn't really care where the leverage was. He just threw the ball where the leverage wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's it's like I, I see a one-on-one pre-snap. There's a single high safety, so I know it's one-on-one on this third of the field. I like my matchup. I'm going to get to the top of my drop. I'm going to see where the defender's leveraged, and I'm going to put it away from him and let my guy make a play. And, it's like, Chark can make those. It's the Tony Romo, right? Like, if anyone's listened to Tony Romo ever call a game, it's it's that, right? That's yes. his mental approach to the game is exactly what you just described. So, you know, and that, that'll work because, you know, we, we talked about – some of his accuracy issues come when his process is rushed. Well, if he hits the top of his drop and he already knows he's got a one-on-one, send it. Let Chark make some of those plays. You know, he's he's got those kinds of ball skills uh, at his disposal down the field, and and uh, he's proven he can make chunk plays. And and 
You, know, you think about what Mike Williams and Justin Ross were for him. And I think DJ Chark can be that kind of guy who runs what Chark ran in the mid four fours, high four fours. Like he's got some juice to him. So I like that a lot. I like LaVisca a lot. A lot. Uh, we, we need some help on the offensive line. Uh, we, yep. Cam Robinson on free agency. I don't maybe shoot. Maybe they'll just go. Jackson, Carmen, Travis, Etienne, and Trevor Lawrence, and call it a day. You don't know, <laughs> right? Well, maybe, maybe Will Richardson can be the guy, or Ben Barch, right? Man, they took him in the fourth I would, round. I would love to see Will Richardson do well. Yeah, I liked I him coming out of NC State. I knew, I knew that. I knew what I was doing there when they oh, said that. You're manipulating it. Take DJ, DJ Chark four three four forty. Yeah, four three four four three four. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Wheel. I, I apologize for shaving or adding a, a tenth, tenth second on your 40 time, man. That's, that's my bad. What about the tight ends here, Kyle? Do you feel like when you think about Trevor Lawrence in the NFL, and, and I know that you know the Ohio state offense really well, and you've been very frustrated with their usage of tight ends. So how do you take, you know, what you saw from, you know, Trevor at Clemson and his willingness to use tight ends, urban Meyer seemed first to tight ends. They don't really have a tight end on this roster. Like where do you, where do you fall in on that? And I think you'll see a lot of 11 out of this group. And I think the tight end is probably going to be more of the sixth man on the blocking surface type than he is, a, especially when you have kind of a, a versatile guy like LaVisca that can kind of play all over the place and kind of work the middle of the field. And he's got some durability questions, but he also has size to be a mismatch. Um, so I don't anticipate you'll see Jacksonville – go crazy on tight ends. Who knows? You know, maybe they'll, this will be the tendency breaker and they'll get to the league and they'll say, Hey, you know, we do need some guys at the tight end who can catch the ball. But uh, I would expect that the tight end in Jacksonville's offense with urban Myers fingerprints on it is going to be uh, largely that insert blocker kind of fold blocker, pick up linebackers, uh, come across the set. You can do some RPO type stuff with him coming across the backfield and uh, leaking out into the flats and get some layered reads and whether you're running flood or sail or anything like that out of it. So uh, just that, that. Yes. That's <laughs> so stock down for James Robinson and stack stock down in my opinion for Jacksonville tight ends. Well, have we painted a picture? Chris, have we painted an adequate picture of Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, you painted a great picture of a, of a guy who's not going to play for my team next year, that's for sure. Yeah, that's thanks. Correct. Really appreciate it, guys. I have one question for you. Just I'll put you on the spot here, and you can tell me I'm foolish for even asking this. What team in the AFC is best suited to slow down the, the traits that make Trevor Lawrence so special? Mm. Personnel-wise or, like, coaching-wise? You can answer it however you'd like, Joe. In the AFC or the AFC South? I went AFC at large because Jacksonville is going to try to compete. You know, their dream, you know, making the playoffs, wanting to win an AFC championship, go to a Super Bowl. So I went AFC at large. Hmm. Pittsburgh. I'm just thinking about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can play man coverage with you. They can blitz the hell out of you but they have talented enough guys where they can beat you one-on-one and drop 
simultaneously as well. If the Titans 2019 defense with Dean Pease would reveal itself again, I would feel really good about that because I thought that was one of the best disguised defenses in the league. And I think kind of what they can do with shifting things post-snap and giving some false keys and just what they're willing to do with, with some of those DBs. But we didn't see that. We didn't see that at all last year, so I feel weird saying it. Yeah. Andy's going to be interesting for them because you know you're going to get you know you're going to get covered too, right? But they my, played a little bit more man too last year than we expected. My reasoning for asking this question, guys, is because there are other teams in the AFC who aren't going to get to see Trevor Lawrence be their quarterback, and they're going to have to face Trevor Lawrence. So they're going to already start to think of okay, how do we beat Jacksonville? How do we slow down Trevor Lawrence? So that's where my brain immediately went to. He's not on my team, so how do I stop? Him? Well, what's the book on quarterbacks when they're rookies? You you give them man and blitz the hell out of them until they prove they can beat that. And then you start playing zone until they can prove they can beat that. When they can beat both, then you, there's no book and good luck. Yeah. Then, then you're on to handling them like you would any other quarterback. Yeah. You've been around the block a few times. <laughs> right. I'll say this. I'll be interested the first time. Um, the first time he runs into a matchup equivalent to what the Denver Broncos did to Tua Tagovailoa. Um, in in which they they kind of took plus numbers on either side of the field in coverage, and they ran a lot of twist stunt game up front, and they just brought overload blitzes. And um, the reason I say that is with Trevor, you think about we've just got done talking about how much of a factor in their offense RPOs is and, and quick throws and. Well, that was something that the Dolphins were very dependent upon with Tungvalu when he got into the lineup, and he was perceived as not quite to the same level of what Trevor Lawrence is. Uh, but he was very widely regarded as a top two quarterback prospect. Some people had him QB three, uh, but generally speaking, he was perceived as QB two. And he came from an offense uh, that did a lot of the same stuff as as far as the RPOs and how frequently they use them. And I think was like 30, 35, 40% of his past attempts his final year were RPOs or something like that. It was like a crazy number. So um, just, you know, so, something that I'm really interested in after seeing what Tungvaloa's simulation was for nine games this year uh, for Trevor Lawrence, knowing that the drop back passing, the traditional drop back passing is, is not where he's been at his most lethal to this point. But... Player one on the board. I'm going to say it with confidence. You know, we, we've talked a lot about a lot of the layers at play here, and uh, it's going to be really fun to see how Jacksonville chooses to build around him. But there is so much more than uh, good than bad uh, when you take into account the arm, the intangibles, uh, the clutch. You know, how many big moments has he come through in for Clemson? Uh, and the comfortability of, of being in the spotlight and, and being the guy and, and being the guy who puts it all on his shoulders and takes care of business. And, and at the quarterback position, you need that just as much as anything else. Trevor Lawrence has proven that he can do that. And therefore uh, his evaluation is a glowing one from us through and through everybody on staff here gave him a top 10 grade. So uh, we will be back tomorrow, Wednesday for another episode of draft dudes. Uh, we've got three more shows this week. We have two live streams. If you missed last night's live stream on Monday night on YouTube, uh, we have another one on Thursday. So set your calendars accordingly. 
hit the notifications button, hit the subscribe button here on the podcast. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Kyle Krabs, Jormino, Chris Schubert. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Eats podcast.